Welcome to the ABHA Listen and Learn Podcast, where we discuss the latest issues related to hearing and balance healthcare. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. Dana Day and Dr. Susan Schmidt. Hello, I'm Dr. Dana Day. And I am Dr. Susan Schmidt, and welcome to ABHA Listen and Learn Podcast, hosted by Arizona Balance and Hearing. And this is where we discuss all the latest and all the greatest advances in testing and treatment of all hearing and balance issues. Education is at the heart of our core values at ABHA. One, Dr. Schmidt and I take very seriously the education of both ourselves and mostly of our patients. This is why we are here today. And to that end, if anyone who is listening has any specific questions you would like answered on this podcast, please go to questions at ArizonaBalance.com. Arizona spelled out, so it's questions at ArizonaBalance.com. And we will be sure to answer them in one of our upcoming podcasts, maybe even today. Also, don't forget to click subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes. Okay. So, Dana, as I was thinking about today's topic, um, I found I find myself going back to time in the first grade as we're thinking about questions. So, mm-hmm. um, so I was in school, first grader, um, and I was pretty much traumatized by a teacher <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, um, that wouldn't help me find the answer, wouldn't tell me how to find the answer. Mm-hmm. So she just kept calling me up to the board and trying to solve this problem, which apparently I was doing something incorrectly, um, but she would not help me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I have to say she was probably like 95 years old, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so from that for, from, from that time forward, I never, and when I say never, it's true. I never asked another question in oh school my. ever, ever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so to this day, I still have that tendency. I don't like to ask anybody questions. I'd rather just look it up and figure it out on my own. It doesn't take, it doesn't matter if it takes me minutes or hours. I'd uh-huh. rather find out for myself, which sometimes is a good thing. Right. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you find out a whole lot of information <laughs> doing that. Um, and sometimes, um, you can find out maybe incorrect or insufficient, um, information because, you know, if you just asked the expert, they would have told you, well, hey, here's mm-hmm. here's how it is. So, right, right. Um, so as we were thinking about questions, that's just came to my mind today. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I was never one to really ask questions in school, but I wasn't traumatized like okay. that. But I, I can visualize it because I think we've all had that teacher that maybe wasn't Warm and cuddly and grandmaish and or even momish or daddish for that matter. I, uh, I guess no, I shouldn't say that. My favorite teachers were men, so maybe they had a quality, or maybe the authority figure was just different for me. I don't know, but, um, but you know, in the office, I am quick to ask the question. And then if I can't get the answer, then I go try to search it out or I try to find the person who can answer the question for me. Right. And it, and to your point, 
I have to say, I have no patience for people who say, I'll just figure it out. And three hours later, they're still trying to figure it out. And so I'll just pick up the phone and call like the help desk of whatever and say, this is what I'm trying to do. How do I do it? So I guess um, there's two sides of that coin, Mm -hmm. isn't there? But um, I, and I don't, you know, maybe it's, it's what, what we prioritize. And I don't prioritize myself sitting there and trying to figure things out when I know there's very, there's smarter people than I that have already done that. But you're right though, because if I ever have to figure it out, I remember so much more. I remember, oh, you know what? I, you know, I show you, I learned this the other day and this is how you do it. I would have never found that except I just kind of snuck up on it. Of course, and I did have the situation the other day when I'm like, okay, I know I saw it. I don't know where. And I just <laughs> kept going on and on and on. And then finally I found it. And I went, oh, okay, this makes no sense how I found this or where it is. But I don't know. Yeah, that's right. me. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, our our previous experiences in life kind of guide us in that mm-hmm. area. Um, but even when I'm going to different professionals, I don't really ask a lot of questions uh-huh. um, because that's really not in my nature. I want to find out information before <laughs> right. before I go. Um, and I really don't follow up with those questions um, that mm-hmm. a lot of people ask us. So right. that's what we're going to talk about today. Those questions that people ask us, and I'm perfectly happy giving answers. I'm yes. just I'm perfectly happy uh, asking the questions. Yes, right. asking the questions. <laughs> um, so we have done um, a previous episode on frequently asked questions um, in a previous podcast, um, and we thought it was maybe time to do it again. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we shared with you um, lots of information on many different topics um, since that episode, and so we hope you've learned information that is help to you currently um, now or or hopefully in the future. Um, so if you know people who would benefit from this information, please let them know about our podcast. Um, and so if they have any questions or they want to know about, you know, a certain topic that we deal with, they can find that out. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so here's the first question that, um, that I get um, asked a lot. Um, and I have addressed this many times before, um, but it's worth repeating because it's my number one question. Number one. Yes, my number one question. Um, Is there a treatment for tinnitus, which is ringing in the ears? No. (laughs) Hey, that is incorrect, Dana. Um, The answer is yes, yes. But I've always been told there's nothing you can do about it. It's definitely a yes question. (laughs) Okay. Yes, yes. Um, And so there are many treatments, including music, um, auditory brain stimulation, including some hearing technology. Um, There's a touch and auditory stimulation that's... um, available overseas now that'll hopefully be coming here, um, lowering anxiety, doing mindfulness, um, habituations to noise, um, behavior cognitive therapy, tinnitus retraining therapy, exercises, yoga, my goodness, etc. I could go on and on and uh-huh. on. Um, and um, 
those are a lot of the treatments. Um, and so why are there so many? It's because the brain is a wonderfully complex thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And tinnitus occurs in the, in the brain and the midbrain specifically. Um, and there's a central hub where lots of sensory information filters in. Okay. It filters, everything filters in together and combines. Um, and that's why for tinnitus, it gets really complicated. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have the ringing in your ears. What is causing that? So that's what I try to find out on a daily basis. What is causing it? There's usually multiple factors. And so we have to treat all those multiple factors. Right. Okay. But first we have to kind of narrow it down if we can. Mm -hmm. Um, so lots of treatments. Um, it just depends on what, what the problem is. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, that's my number one yeah. question. And just to clarify, because I kind of played the devil's advocate earlier, mm -hmm. um, there's treatment and there's cure. Mm -hmm. There is no cure, but there is treatment. But if I was to go to most or at least a good percentage of healthcare providers and say, I have ringing in my ears and it's driving me crazy. Their response would be live with it, live with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say this and I'm not trying to. Yeah, I am trying to, but <laughs> I had someone the other day call and they said, I was referred to you by XYZ and I've had ringing in my ears for 20 years and it's now changing and it's bothering me and I can't sleep, mm -hmm. it, you know, whatever the case may be. But this was a case on the phone mm -hmm. and the person on the phone said, I've seen s several doctors and they say, there's nothing you can do. And of course my comment was, well, you've never seen Dr. Schmidt <laughs> and you're luckily this is your lucky day. And for those here on our podcast listening, um, a ABHA is we, um, we don't take a lot of insurances. And this gentleman, when he found that out, said, well, I'll find somebody else. And I'm here to say, you won't find anyone else. And I, I don't mean that to say you should come out of pocket and you could, you should spend your healthcare dollars. What I'm saying is all of us have to evaluate our own healthcare and how it is affecting us. And ringing in the ears doesn't just affect, oh, I have ringing in my ears. It, ex it affects your sleep pattern. It affects your mental stability during the day or mm -hmm. and night. Obviously, if you're not sleeping, you're, you're not refreshed in the morning. Right. And there's just so many other things it affects. Um, so you can always use your healthcare benefits, but I would venture to say if you've gone 20 years using your healthcare benefits and been told there's nothing you can do, perhaps maybe it's time to look beyond what your, your health insurance will provide for you. That's just a thing right. that came up the other day. And I think that it's important to think about because you and I both have done that for right. our own health or our children's health or whatever the case may be. We have decided that we want to go to this provider and it's not in network and 
we did our research and we found that we actually end up spending less to go to that specialist than to keep, and we get a better result than keep going back and back and back. Right. When there's nothing really, when we don't, when we don't get to the expectation that we're hoping for. Right. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So at some point, you know, you just have to evaluate, do you want, do you want your healthcare benefit dollars to dictate where you can go and what help you can get or uh-huh. where are you going to cross that line and yeah. say, okay, I'm going to, I know this would be best for me and I'm going to go over here. Right. Exactly. exactly. Yes. And then kind of on that same vein, the question that we get asked um, and I get asked a lot is I have been working with a physical therapist for months and my balance or dizziness is either getting better, but it's not bet it's not where it should be, or it's not getting better at all. What should I do? And there are some wonderful physical therapists out there. I know them. I've seen them. Um, I've sent my kids to them. I've gone to them. But when you're talking about balance, you need to find someone who is specialized in vestibular rehab, and that's balance rehab. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is there, the balance system is so intricate and complicated and wonderful that the person really needs to understand it's beyond the what we call VOR exercises where they have you move your head and you look at your thumb or you look at a card. And usually what's happening in those cases is the doctor has said, okay, you're dizzy. I'm going to send you for therapy. And they go for therapy. Mm-hmm. And they may get a little bit better. Or they may get worse. That happens too, by the way. And there was no testing done prior to that. So the therapist is literally saying, okay, what is our standard protocol to work with a dizzy patient? Well, we do this, 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 and this. Is it a bad protocol? No, it's not a bad protocol for a particular vestibular patient. But if you are not that particular vestibular patient, then you're not gonna get better mm-hmm. and you're, you may get worse or you may just stay the same. Right. So again, you have to kind of think about what do I want to, to do? How do I want to expand or how do I wanna use my healthcare dollars that are gonna benefit me the best? And so what I always say is, first and foremost, if you've reached an impact, so you've come so far, but now you're stuck. And even if you're not stuck, if you're getting worse or you're not getting any better, it doesn't really matter. First and foremost, you need a comprehensive evaluation. And when I mean a comprehensive, I mean a comprehensive evaluation that's done by a vestibular audiologist who knows what they're looking for. Not a tech that is gonna send the results to somebody offsite and say, okay, now interpret these. Mm -hmm. And once that's done, that vestibular um, audiologist should be able to speak to any physical therapist and say, you know, I think the patient got better because you were working on X, Y, Z, but the problem is actually an ABC. So now let's shift and go to ABC. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, guess what's happened? 
you only have X amount of rehab visits. Right. It's never unlimited. And now you've used up half of your rehab visits or, and for going two to three times a week. So we've actually at ABHA have said, okay, we'll do the evaluation, come see our therapist, see her once a week, only her for one hour, and she's going to give you a home program. You come back each week. Now, sometimes they do have to come in twice a week. That's rare, actually. And we currently have now three patients that um, are utilizing telehealth because she brought them in, she showed them what to do, and now she goes over it with them at home. And why is this important? It's important because she's targeting the specific problem. It's not taking a dart and throwing it at a dartboard and hoping that it hits the center bullseye and it takes care of the problem. It is, we know what the problem is and this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to treat it. Mm -hmm. So if you come into a situation where you're not getting better or you're not feeling better within four visits, four to six visits, I always say four, but let's, let's for the sake of this, let's say six, stop. It, you're not going to get any better or you're, you know, you may even get worse. Stop. And then seek out someone who actually, uh, that's their specialty. Um, because you're going to, it, it is going to get better for you. And by the way, for anybody that has um, rehab but has a copay, like myself, so I had to send my daughter to rehab uh, for a knee problem, and they wanted her three times a week. I said, well, can we do it twice a week? Because I have a, a, a copay. Mm-hmm. So my copay was, you know, it was going to cost me $140 a week with my copays because they're $70 a visit. And I went to watch her one day and I thought, and again, this is for the knee. This isn't for vestibular. So I thought, okay, she spent 10 to 15 minutes with the therapist and then she spent 25 minutes with the assistant watching her do the exercises to make sure she doesn't write. So then I went to our therapist and I said, can she just see you once a week? I know you used to do orthopedics. And she Mm -hmm. said, sure. So I said, okay, I will pay the out-of-pocket expense, which by the way is less than $170 or $140, excuse me. It was $70 a visit. It was less. And she had two visits. She did the home exercise and she's doing wonderful. So again, sometimes we have to think outside the box. Sometimes we have to trust that that our own instincts. If we're going three times a week or even twice a week, vestibular rehab is usually three times a week and not getting better, Mm -hmm. you have to say to yourself, there's got to be a reason. So maybe I should step back and reevaluate the situation and maybe find another location to go to. Right. And we see that all the time um, at our office where, you know, a patient has gone to 
um, another office for their vestibular therapy, and then they haven't gotten any better, mm-hmm. and then eventually they get filtered to us. It'd just be nice just to see them first. Yes, <laughs> it really would. <laughs> um, you know, because they wasted all that time, and then you know they were not working on the right thing, or mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. So we do see that quite yeah. often. I go back practice. to my. I've had now two, and I just had one <laughs> literally within the last six weeks. But I call them my. $100,000 patients, they've gone everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. They've had every test. They've done almost, you know, every MRI known to man, every echocardiogram, everything. And they come in and they were like, okay, this is the problem. And this is what we're going to do about it. And it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so... Exactly. Yes. So don't don't become one of those hundred thousand dollar people. That's right. That's right. Um, stop and seek more information. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, going along um, with the the balanced patient or the dizzy patient, um, we get a question a lot. Um, and, it, you know, the person will come in and say, OK, or they'll call in and say, I woke up dizzy this morning. And so I went to Google. Okay, to get some information. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you when you type in dizziness in Google, um, it will come up with okay, hey, there's these exercises for these crystals. You should do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, there's tons of information. That's generally what's going to come up um, when you Google that. And so the question is um, from people: Should I try it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so so that's a tricky question. Um, so. If this is the first time you woke up and you're dizzy, um, really, it could be a plethora of different causes, mm-hmm. right? Um, it could be the crystals. Um, let's just say, for argue's sake, it is. Yeah. Okay? The crystals are out of place. Um, should you do those exercises? Okay, so if you do those exercises completely correctly, but um, let's say you know it's coming, you know, for a miraculous kind of reason, you know, hey, it's the right ear and it's this canal. <laughs> okay, let's say you know all this information. And so you're doing the appropriate exercise for that canal. Um, the problem is if you do it wrong, mm-hmm. you can make yourself worse. Yes. Okay. If you do it completely correctly, there is a chance that you can clear it on your own, okay? Mm-hmm. But if you do it wrong, um, you will not enjoy that experience. No. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, so best case scenario, um, you know exactly what's wrong. You know the canal. Um, you do it perfectly, and it's good, okay? But that is, I'm going to say, a very, very small percentage of the population, okay? So if you wake up dizzy, um dizzy, like spinning, um, that kind of dizzy, even people are just lightheaded, they try it too. Um, mm-hmm. If you do that, um, they exercise, you might not have any effect, you might make it better, you might make it worse. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a 33.3% chance one of those things are going <laughs> to happen. Right. <laughs> so, um, so it's just best if you if you wake up dizzy, you're like, okay, don't know what what's going on here. I need to seek some help. Okay, right. so that would be your physician. That would be a, um, an ear, nose, and throat doctor. That would be an audiologist specializing in 
in balance. That would be a physical therapist specializing in balance. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, any of those, um, professionals will help you find the answer and say, okay, yes, it is the crystals. Okay. Then we're going to do these exercises to help you, but just going ahead and just starting, um, that it just seems a little bit dangerous because the, the 33.3% chance of not helping getting worse or possibly helping, right. but you don't even know, you know, right. where the issue is. So, um, we do have the patients that have this problem recurring over and over again. Um, if they're, you know, same ear, same problem over and over again, we can teach them how to do that safely, yes. um, at their house. But if you're not one of those people, I would seek some professional guidance first. Right. And I'd like to just add on that. Mm -hmm. There are certain criteria for the crystals being out of place. Just because you're dizzy does not mean that the crystals are out of place. Mm -hmm. So I'd like everyone to listen really carefully right now because I'm going to tell you about this criteria. So if you roll over in bed or go to get up in bed and you have a violent episode of vertigo that lasts, this is it, drum roll, that lasts for less than one minute and then goes away until you go back into that position, i.e. lay down at night mm -hmm. or roll to that side. Then you have the crystals out of place. But if you tell me, Dr. Day, I have been dizzy for three days. I'm going to tell you, I can do the maneuver, but you don't have benign proxismal positional vertigo, which mm -hmm. is BPPV. Your crystals are fine, but I'll do the maneuver if you want me to. Mm -hmm. Well, can we try it? Sure, we can try it. So again, if you wake up and you're dizzy and you're nauseated and you're vomiting and it lasts and you know, and it lasts for more than a minute, you do not have the crystals out of place. So don't Google and don't try to move yourself around. If you do, if it does last in less than a minute, don't Google <laughs> because you have three canals on each mm -hmm. side. And so what normally happens if you're not sure which ear and which canal, again, there's three, and guess what, folks? You treat it differently. Then you have what we call canal switch. And that's what can make it worse that Dr. Schmidt was talking about. Yes. And we've had cases, both you and I, where the patient has created a canal switch. So now we have to get it back into the original canal first to be able to get it out of that canal back to where it needs to be. So the process can take longer in the sense of the visit time. It can be more difficult to uh, sit through. Um, we've had patients that we've had to say, okay, uh, I'm going to have you come back. Um, I'm going to call your doctor, see if we can get you some um Valium or diazepam and compazine because you're, you know, you're throwing up every time I move your head to this direction. Mm -hmm. And that is a severe form of benign proxismal positional vertigo or BPPV. 
but it was created because now it's in a different canal and that canal um, produces a different response. Right. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. But it it does challenge us, right? To make sure that we always know what we're doing. So I guess that's (laughs) unfortunately at our patient's expense. And we'd certainly like to have to avoid all that. Right. So I'm wondering like before Google, um, was there less of that going on? <laughs> so, um, so I don't remember. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't either, but I okay. do know because I, <laughs> I had this, well, my neighbor said to do this, this, and this. And I said, can you show me? I, it was on a telehealth call. So we were on, um, over the video screen and I said, can you show me what you did? And so he did it. And I said, you know, I've been doing this an awful long time and I've never seen this one. <laughs> And then, of course, when he came down and we did the testing and we, I said, because he said, when I did it, I got worse. And so I told him, this is why you got worse. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that anymore. Yeah, don't. And this was not, by the way, folks, but I'm proxysal positional vertigo. So it can't be other things. So I think, I think, I think if you say, oh, I'm having problems with dizziness, everybody's going to say, oh, I've had that. And I think everybody's going to have some type of remedy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so. yeah, you just have to be careful about that. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I have um, another question that uh, that I get going back to tinnitus. Um, I get this question all the time. Do the supplements that are advertised for tinnitus work? And my answer is... Largely, no. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, so when you, when you look at those supplements, if they have some sort of vitamin or mineral or nutrient that your body is lacking, um, that it really needs to function well, um, and that replenishes it, then maybe, maybe you might have um, a slight reaction to reduce your tinnitus. But um, for the, for the most part, no. Um, and none of these have been studied. Um, you know, your, your double blind, um, placebo, you know, all of those kind of studies that kind of solidify, Hey, is this actually an effective treatment for tinnitus? So, um, so none of them fall into that category. Um, they are just, you know, herbal supplements, not FDA approved. Um, we really don't know what's in there. Um, and they're, they're just advertised to to help people with tinnitus Mm -hmm. and um and i get i get this question all the time um will it hurt you i don't know because i don't know what's in there will it help you chances are not because i see a lot of people and most most people that actually have tried them say nope mm -mm, Mm -hmm. not didn't happen um so you have to be careful about those because again we don't know what exactly is in them um, are they harmful? Not sure. It just depends on your body um, mm-hmm. and what what's in what's in that supplement. So, um, so if you're going in that direction because they are heavily advertised, um, I would again say, well, I think it's better to find out the cause of it first. Um, if if you are lacking some sort of nutrient. Um, you know, blood panel might be able to show that, that kind of thing. So that would be my go-to first, um, rather than try those, Mm -hmm. try those out. Um, so 
Yeah. My little soapbox there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think we get that too. Um, it's not a supplement. It is a prescription drug and that's meclizine for dizziness. Um, it's kind of the go-to here. You, you're dizzy. Let's give you some meclizine. And one of the first questions I ask is, does it help? And they say no. Or if it does help, I'll say, how does it help? Well, I go to sleep and I wake up feeling better. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah. But what if you went to sleep on your own? Would you have woke up and felt better? It's not to say that there isn't a place for meclizine, just like there isn't a place for supplements, but you have to know when to use it and why to use it. So, yeah. Right. And it's not a long-term treatment no, no, at all. No. And Meclizine is a central nervous system depressant. Yes. You do not want to be on it if you want to continue to function or drive or go to work and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I love this question because <clears throat> anyone that's been around me and uh, knows that I wear large brim hats. Mm. I don't go out in the sun without my hat. I have a hat in the car. I embarrass my kids. I always have a hat on. And um, so if I have a hat on and my hearing aids start to whistle, can I do anything about it? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, you're in a, um, the first thing you should do is return to wherever you were fit and let them know that you're having what we call feedback. It's when the mics are being covered too much, if you will, and they're creating that feedback similar to um, Robin makes sure, our producer here makes sure that we don't get feedback in our mics, even though we're talking very close because mm -hmm. you can have that happen. So in this day and age with the technology, you should never really have feedback unless you've, you're, you've got a what we call a boomer aid and you're on an analog type of versus digital, Right. you shouldn't have any feedback. So that would be my first suggestion. Uh, it might be the way it's fitting. Maybe it's, you know, needs a new ear mold. Maybe it, the dome is not right or whatever the case may be. So go back to your professional that fit you and say, Hey, I'm getting this squealing when I wear my large hat. But let's say we're out at the, the uh, beach and we're having a great time and we want to be able to hear our kids or whatever our grandkids um then you can just readjust the hat um i know that all of my hats have this little string that i can make it tighter or looser mm. <laughs> so just readjust it on your head to give a little bit of space between the mic of the hearing aid and the the inside brim part of the hat. So, or not the brim, but the uh, inside part of the hat. Um, and then that should temporarily take care of the problem. But again, if you're getting feedback, you shouldn't. And so go back, let them know, let them take a look. Could be something as simple as something got, you know, slit, the tubing is cracked or something like that that's causing that the sound to um, escape and then go back into the mic, which is how you get that feedback. Right. Yeah. And then the same thing is, okay, my hearing aids sound weak. Is there a problem? There could be. It could be <clears throat> there's wax, what we call wax filters. So that could be clogged. So that mm -hmm. might be the first thing that you want to check. Uh, it could be that um, the receiver which is um, 
the part that takes that information, that sound source, that sound waves into the ear is not functioning the way it's supposed to. Maybe it needs to be changed. And it could be that there's something in the internal part of the hearing aid itself that needs to go into the manufacturer. So I would start with the easiest. This is the one we find out the most, and that's that wax trap. Mm -hmm. Just remove the ear mold or the dome, whichever you have on your hearing aid. Or if you've got a custom, just look at that little, it's usually a little white thing that looks like a filter, if you will. Right. And um, you should have gotten some um, uh, additional uh, filters to change from your audiologist or your hearing aid dispenser. Change that out. See if that takes care of the problem. Um, and also don't forget to, if you have a vent, don't forget to use your vent cleaner and clean that out. But the best way to avoid that is every night, just brush that part down with your the brush that you should have gotten when you dispense the hearing aids. If you don't, go back to your provider and ask them for another one and, and then just have that taken care of. But um, if they're weak, the, uh, the and then finally, perhaps your hearing changed. So if you haven't had your hearing changed in a mm -hmm. while or you notice a change, again, we said this on one of our last episodes, the only real emergency is if your hearing changes. Mm -hmm. And it's the same even if you have a hearing loss. If your hearing changes, you need to let them know right away and get it evaluated. But if you haven't for a while, then you should get evaluated anyway because it could have been a change and then the hearing aids need to be reprogrammed to that change. Right. And so that should, with your hearing healthcare professional, that should be, um, you know, something that's automatic. You bring in your technology and if everything's working fine and you're like, mm, but no, I'm not hearing mm -hmm. like I should, then the next logical step would be, okay, well, let's, let's check out your system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not the technology, but your, your actual hearing system and see if anything's changed. Right. <laughs> so, right. So that, that would be the progression that, mm -hmm. that we would see with the, um, with a hearing healthcare professional. Yes. yes. Great. Okay. Um, I get another question, um, a lot, um, when I'm uh, testing people, um, usually comes something like this. I was told that I have hearing loss appropriate for my age. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what is that? Yeah. What does that mean? I've been That's in this field a long time and I don't know what that means. <laughs> Can somebody describe, tell me what that means? <laughs> so, so my interpretation of that, that statement would be, okay, so as we age, we primarily lose high pitched hearing first. Um, and so when you see um, an audiogram, that's just a visual representation of somebody's hearing. When we see that, we see a certain shape where the low pitches are um, relatively good. And then the high pitches start to fall off kind of like a little slope, like a ski slope. Mm -hmm. So um, so I'm interpreting that statement to to mean, um, okay, I've, I see some high-pitched hearing loss and you're, you know, 60 and so that would be appropriate for mm -hmm. what I'm expecting. So that's what I'm taking that to mean. Um, and so is that is that statement true? Is that hearing loss appropriate for your age? Um, that just depends on 
everything that you've experienced in your whole life. Yes. <laughs> so it's just, it's just a difficult thing to, um, to wrap your head around because, you know, somebody the age, let's say age of 50, um, could have been exposed to a lot of noise, could have been, um, could have been exposed to or had different types of, um, ear infections in the past. Um, they might have a syndrome or a disease that causes their hearing to change or mm -hmm. fluctuate. Um, there's just a whole plethora of things that can go into how well somebody's hearing at different ages. Mm -hmm. so, so to say a statement like that, I I just don't understand the statement. Like you were just right. saying, I don't, I don't understand. There is no typical hearing loss um, for somebody's age. Right. Okay. So if we took everybody the age of 65 all around the world and tested their hearing, I mean, we could get an average, but, you know, that wouldn't be representative of um, well, what most people right. have, right? Cause or even people, normal hearing. Because right. I bet that average wouldn't be what we consider normal. Right. So <clears throat> you get somebody really good across the line. We get somebody that has really poor hearing and we get everything in between. Mm -hmm. um, so to make that statement, it just, it, it doesn't like hold true. It's just not a statement that you can make. Um, so when somebody says, hey, I have some hearing loss appropriate for my age, that means you have hearing loss. Right. <laughs> okay. You have hearing loss. Um, it doesn't matter if it's appropriate for your age or not. Um, you have hearing loss. Your brain's missing some information. And let's see what we can do to um, treat that so your brain is now happy again and not causing any changes or um, strain in the system. Right. And we've said it before, folks, on this podcast, and that is the number one cause for hearing loss is aging. So guess what? We're all going to have it happen to us. So it's not a situation. It's not a question of when it is, or excuse me, if it's mm -hmm. a question of when. Okay. So there, I have to agree. I I don't know what that means. I, I don't. <laughs> and I, and it can be all ages, but, but I know I, it, really focuses on, well, you know, you just have a mild hearing loss. Oh, here's another one. <laughs> I just have a mild hearing loss and I feel like I hear just fine. Why do I need to start treating my hearing loss? Well, again, studies have shown that even a mild hearing loss increases your risk of developing dementia 200%. And you may think you're doing fine, but... Perhaps it's not as fine as it could be. <laughs> so what I mean by that is, so you're still able to go to parties, but maybe you don't go as much or you don't engage as much or you find a quiet place instead of being in the thick of things or you're missing things or your spouse is telling you, you know, I why don't you listen to me or you can't hear me or the TV is too loud all these different things can be going on. So again, there is no normal for my age. Once you have a hearing loss, you have a hearing loss and you should start to treat it because the brain is really looking for that information to make sense of the auditory world. And we live in an auditory world, mm -hmm. period. Yeah. Right. Um, 
Yeah. And so lifestyle wise, yeah, you, you're going to notice those things, but you know, um, in the realm of, um, what the brain's doing, we know with the imaging, I mean, even with a mild loss, even before, you know, you have a mild loss, um, your brain is already shifting. Yeah. You know, it's already shifting. Mm -hmm. So, um, and we don't want it, you know, we want it to stay right where all those pathways to stay right where they are and not start, um, rearranging and reorganizing because that's going to cause different issues. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Wonderful topics today yes. and, uh, answering those questions. I hope that, uh, you learned a little bit as well out there. Um, now we're going to go to tips and tricks. Um, if you're at a, a place where large groups of people gather, like a church, a theater, a museum, etc., look for a sign with a blue ear, and it has an A and a T on it. So there's a, it's blue, and the ear is up there, and it has A, a as an apple, T as in Tom on it. This means the building is looped. And you can stream the person speaking straight into your technology, which likely will improve your speech comprehension. You may need to see your hearing professional to have that feature turned on. And so what I mean by that is when you loop a room, it's you use um, induction coils around the room so that it can feed directly to the hearing mm -hmm. aids. And that really is the best way to stream. It's a wonderful way to stream. And <clears throat> in some cities, there are so many wonderful venues that are looped. Unfortunately, Phoenix is not one of them. Right. <laughs> so, and when you turn on the activation for the loop system because of always wanting that hearing aid to be as small and teeny tiny as possible to turn that on you have to turn something else off so for those of us that practice here in in phoenix arizona we normally don't turn the loop system on we leave we um activate the bluetooth and other things at to stream, if you right. will, to the hearing aids. Mm -hmm. So what we tell our patients is if you are going somewhere, like I always I always give this the thing, if you're going to the anywhere, you know, like the theater in Tucson, Tucson's looped, by the way. <laughs> Great city. You know, let me know. Come on in. We'll switch over and we'll turn that on for you. But if you are in a city that um, their venues, especially like their theaters, their museums, their, your church. Um, there are a few churches in Phoenix, by the way, that are looped. Um, even movie theaters could, can be looped, uh, though not very many here <laughs> again. But if you're in those situations, then you do want the loop system on. But again, if you're in Phoenix, there just isn't a lot. So we, Patients usually like to use the Bluetooth on their phones to stream from their phones mm -hmm. or to stream from uh, a separate external device. And so we use that. So we just want to make you aware of that because if you do see that, that that really is g going to give you the clearest 
signal possible. And and we w- certainly wish we had more loop systems in Phoenix, um, especially because we've done a lot of remodeling, and you'd think they would have put it in. <laughs> oh, well. Right. They didn't consult me first. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. So everybody else around you, I mean, that person's voice will have to trans- or transfer from the stage all the way to their ears, but <laughs> their voice, if you have this on, it'll just go directly right in. into your ears. Yes. Um, it's a wonderful thing. It is. Okay. Um, we also have a quote of the day today. Um, it's from Dr. Seuss. I love Dr. Seuss. Yes. Sometimes the questions are complicated and the answers are simple. Okay. Absolutely. Um, just like that, the question that we answer, or asked about um, or answered about, um, is my hearing loss um, appropriate for my age? So that that's a, a difficult question to ask but the answer is largely no (laughs) so it's simple (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i would like to thank dr susan schmidt for joining me today and i would like to thank all of you for again listening in today and if you have any questions for any of us at abha please post them on our facebook page or email us at questions at Arizona, that's spelled out, balance.com. That's questions at arizonabalance.com. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe as we are always talking about different topics and you don't want to miss any of our future episodes. And for a free copy of Dr. Day's book, Re-Engage with Life and Family, you can visit our website at azbalanceandhearing.com. So Arizona is abbreviated, azbalanceandhearing.com. And you just click the box requesting a free copy. Or you could call our office directly at 602-265-9000 and request a free copy that way as well. Wonderful. Remember, hearing care is health care and treating your hearing loss is the number one modifiable risk factor for reducing your risk of developing dementia. Treating your hearing loss has also been shown to reduce your risk of falls, decrease the experience of tinnitus, increase your social engagement, and decrease depression. Don't put it off any longer. We'd like to also, Dr. Schmidt and I would like to thank Robin, our producer, Mm -hmm. for um, having us in today. Also, Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Networks for allowing us to um, use this lovely studio. And uh, please tune in. Our next uh, podcast will be on the topic of concussion. Mm -hmm. When do I have a concussion or do I have a concussion? You don't want to miss that. And if you have anybody that you know that might be interested in this topic, please let them know to subscribe to our podcast so that they can get that information as well. ABHA partnering with you to better balance, better hearing, better better life. life. Thank you for listening to the ABHA Listen and Learn podcast with Dr. Dana Day and Dr. Susan Schmidt. Join us next time as we discuss the latest issues related to hearing and balance health care. Plus, hear any of our past episodes on demand 24-7 on StarWorldWideNetworks.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.